Greetings and welcome to A Couple of Goons, a podcast about hockey where a couple of goons talk about hockey. Yeah. I'm Neil Payne of 538. I'm joined by my colleague and co-host, Walt Hickey of Insider. Hello. Hey, Walt. How's it going? How are you? This is good. I feel like, I feel like I'm having deja vu. <laughs> yeah, we, we've done this, I think, this intro, this is the third or fourth time. Yeah. Uh, we've been having <laughs> technical difficulties, uh, to say the least, so far. But, yeah, like I said on one previous incarnation of this intro, uh, we're like hockey players that have been hit in the face with a puck, been, you know, knocked to the ice a little bit. We went to the locker room, got some stitches. We're back on the bench. We're back. And we're ready to take our next shift. We're ready. That's how tough we are. We're, 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 that's, just, that's just the kind of guys and the kind of goons that we are. And hopefully... That's the kind of goons <laughs> we are. Yes. Um, yeah, so very, very fun week so far. Neil, what have you been watching lately? Well, you know, the trade deadline was on Monday uh, afternoon, and that was uh, the the typical flurry of activities uh, that we saw. Actually, it was a little bit less than typical. There were not quite as many trades as usual. I think there were half as many trades and half as many players sent on the move as last year. But there were some interesting moves that were made, and uh, even among the, the trades that did happen. And it was just an exciting excuse for uh, the Canadian sports media to do their wall-to-wall coverage thing of uh, of hockey deals all throughout the day. Trade center for life, baby. Yeah. So TSN had a very good day? Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think we get to watch. Uh, we don't get to watch the Canadian equivalent of ESPN uh, just straight up here in the States. Don't get, don't get that without uh, illegally streaming it, which we would never do. Yes. Um, but... <laughs> By the way, yeah, the official like illegal they... streaming partner of A Couple of Goons is Neil. Take it away. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's Reddit NHL streams. Uh, no. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I heard some uh, that they had segments like the Trady Bunch uh, <laughs> on there. I, you think I'm joking. Oh, I'm no. not actually joking. <laughs> Amazing. Canadian humor at its peak. This is great. Yeah, and I thought Canadian peak humor was just began and ended with Dan Aykroyd. So <laughs> yeah. now I don't know where we're at. Yeah, uh, what a, what a fun time! And so I guess uh, we'll get to the trade deadline in a second. But who, do you have a team of the week? I do have a team of the week in terms of the team that gained the most in ELO rating over the past week, uh, and that is the Pittsburgh Penguins, a team that maybe we wrote off ourselves early in the season as being uh, a team that, oh, they're too old. Oh, Sidney Crosby's, you know, not the best player in the league anymore. Oh, Evgeny Malkin needs to go back to Russia. Maybe we said that. (laughs) I don't know if we said that or not. Um, But they have been red hot recently, not just in the last week, uh, but they are the best team of the last week. And they're playing great. Uh, right now, I take back all of the questions and the doubts that I had about them early in the season. Uh, and right now, they have a, a 6.2% chance to win the cup, really, which is uh, sixth highest in the league. Wow, uh, they are uh, they're not the favorites to win the east right now. Ooh, like, I think we've been talking about the east as being 
this really hyper competitive race to see who wins that. And I think we'll talk about that with the trade deadline, especially uh, in, in particular. But they are they do have the um, they have a 27 percent chance of winning the division right now, even going toe to toe with the Capitals and the Islanders. And we see you in there, Bruins, probably not going to win the division, but we're, we're, we're giving you a courtesy shout out. Um, but yeah, I just like the way the Penguins have been playing. They're peaking at the right time uh, and excited to see what they can do down the stretch. And that's what makes them team of the week. And that was before they even added at the trade deadline, Jeff Carter, a player uh, that I don't think anyone realized was still playing hockey, <laughs> but he was on the LA Kings. And, uh, you know, still doing his thing. And I think that that's an interesting uh, acquisition and a nice little uh, trade deadline segue for us, I think. Yeah. Um, So as we talked all about last week, we basically went through exactly how hockey player trades is pretty much Pokemon. And I understood it. And as a result, I gained a level. And it was very nice. And it was great. And uh, everybody learned a whole lot. And so... Ever, all that was leading up to this past Monday. This past Monday was extremely hyped. Best day of the whole year. Um, what went down? Yeah, well, uh, so 17 trades went down on the day itself. Uh, one of them, like I said, was Jeff Carter going to the Penguins, which I liked as a move. Uh, another big one was Taylor Hall finally got moved by the Buffalo Sabres, and he landed with the Boston Bruins. I think we had predicted that the Bruins would go out and try to get some kind of scoring depth, and they went out and they got the probably the most coveted player that was available uh, and a guy that I would be shocked if he didn't have a big stretch run and uh, playoff, uh, assuming the Bruins make the playoffs. I, I'm pretty confident in that. I think they, they might pull uh, it off. I think off. we're giving them... Yeah, we're giving them a 90.3% uh, chance, <laughs> so I think that that will happen. I want to get precise about these decimal points, yes. by the way. This is this is the accuracy that GoonsPod listeners have, mm. have come to uh, actually, demand from us. Yeah, minor correction. It is actually 90.28, not just 90.3. Oh, I'm sorry, 90.28. So yeah, let's get down to that. <clears throat> let's get down to that hundredth, baby. Yes. Hi, I'm Walt Hickey. <laughs> I'm one of the hosts of A Couple of Goons, a popular hockey podcast that uh, is just full of Apple podcast reviews and a ravening fan base. And I'm here to apologize on behalf of my co-host Neil Payne who he made a misstatement and it was really grotesque and we felt terrible about it at the time and we just needed to take a second to correct the record he had said that there was a 90 you know what was it where where am I looking here oh yeah 99.9 the Bruins oh I'm sorry a 90.3 I said the Bruins had a 90.3 yes and but they actually have a 90.28 and see that 0.02 that's the Rangers, baby. I, I mean, like, that's our shot. Like, that's my chance to get into these playoffs. So I don't want that taken away from us. Yeah. You're, no, it's totally fair. It's it's right. I took that away from uh, from those other competing teams. <laughs> yes, competing namely teams. Namely the Rangers. <laughs> that's but, what we're doing. Uh, we're competing. Yeah, they are competing. And uh, they're competing now with a Taylor Hall uh, included, I wouldn't say lead, because I don't want to, you know, say fully that it's a Taylor Hall lead Bruins. I don't think that's fair. It's a Taylor Hall inclusive Bruins. He's now on that team. <laughs> and so uh, I, I think he's a guy, if you look at his shooting percentage uh, and especially like the uh, expected goals for him based on 
the locations of his shots uh, and, and how many goals you would expect him to have. I think he had the biggest, at least going into the deadline, the biggest shortfall of any player in the league between expected goals and actual goals. And those things tend to regress to the mean as uh, time goes on. And I think also playing with vastly better teammates uh, could, could be a nice change of scenery for him. So I like that. You know, there are some, like, if, if you're excited to see Matthias Janmark go uh, to the Golden Knights, if you're excited to see Sam Bennett go to the Panthers, if you're excited to see Anthony Mantha go to the, uh, go to the Washington Capitals in a trade that actually sent maybe the most productive player to a team that has no chance to make the playoffs and uh-huh. Jacob Vrana, if you're excited by that, then the trade deadline was good for you. Uh, and I, I also have to mention the moves that the Islanders made. I just think it's interesting that the East, and this was pointed out, that every heavy hitter in the East went out and got somebody or multiple somebodies at the deadline. And I think that's right because that was uh, one, of the, one of the division races that we were ta- we've kind of had our eye on and been talking about for a while, and it's still up in the air. Yeah. And it's still going to be really brutal for anybody who ends up like, even if you're the first seed in that division, you got to play whoever ends up being fourth, and that's not going to be easy. And then, you know, whoever emerges from that is, is going to be really, I think, uh, battle-tested through the first two rounds of the playoffs. So I like that these teams are just going in. You know, they're just they're 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 pushing their chips to the center of the table in in particular Washington for that trade that sent uh, Verona and like a bunch of picks uh, to to the Red Wings for Anthony Mantha. Yeah. So that was my trade deadline roundup, I guess you could call it. Yes, this is an annual feature, as you know. We've been we do it every year. We've been doing this for years. Every single year we do this. Um, and and thank you for the roundup. And then I'm gonna play a rodeo sound effect. And that's how we get the podcast awards. All right. Um, so, uh, lots of players moving around. It, again, bit muted. You kind of alluded to. So we talked a little bit about how we thought that there would be some skepticism of the Canadian teams trying to get people across the border. Uh, did that bear out? Yeah, that ended up actually being sort of normal. Uh, there were fewer as a percentage of all trades, fewer involved Canadian and American teams trading with each other than last year, slightly mm-hmm. fewer, but uh, there were slightly more as a percentage than sort of the overall norm of the past, you know, 15 years, uh, basically since the, the event that shall not be named uh, that, <laughs> that, that will go into at a later date. So basically it's like there were roughly as many Canadian to us uh, teams, you know, trades as, uh, as usual basically. So it didn't really make that much of a difference in that regard. Um, and again, it, it didn't dissuade uh, some of the bigger names from actually being dealt. So I think it was, I, I give this trade, you know, people give uh, grades to specific trades on the deadline, mm-hmm. but I want to give the deadline yeah. grade a B plus. B plus. 2021 turned out to be a B plus. That's all that we ever wanted, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, if, if any of us, if, if this podcast can be regarded as a B plus po- hockey podcast. Do you know podcast, what I would fucking do for a B plus? I think we'll be feeling great. Do you know great. what I would do for a B plus? <laughs> I would, I would like to extra credit. It's oh, man. I would love to be a B plus. And so B plus it's a good year. Um, this is, uh, you know, the 13th 
inaugural episode of A Couple of Goons. And as you know... Which is funny because we have been doing it for years, so we've really spaced out these episodes. Yes. If you're, uh, This is our fifth year of this podcast, but we only do <laughs> done 13 episodes. We really have an erratic posting. Go, we have to go through our phones and find like a voicemail that one of us left to the others like for a couple of years ago and just be like, this technically was the pilot of A Couple of Goons. <laughs> yes, that conversation we had about hockey in the hallway at 538 seven years ago yes. that was the pilot that was that's the pilot. episode zero yeah that's episode negative one we were using experimental technology to record it we can't be held liable for not releasing it anyway eighth year of a couple of goons 13th episode of a couple of goons this means that we talk about number 13 lucky number 13 lucky number 13 i am yes. a person who has ordered a number 13 hockey sweater as we know it's not arrived yet yes we'll look into that later but you know, I figure it takes time to do the stitching. Um, so I'm already... I think it was held up at the border. It might be, man. I don't... Like, the mail is doing... It's going through it. Like, I ordered some some new clothes um, because I'm, I'm really leaning into the post-apocalyptic vaporwave look. Uh, and so I ordered oh, a nice. bunch of new clothes ahead of, you know, my second shot coming up eventually. And... Um, and they took like a month and a half to get here, so I'm no longer constrained by the bounds of reality when it comes to um, this jersey. But it is a number thirteen. It is a Lafreniere, and um, we, I would like to hear who you, who your counterpoint is, as the uh, as the number thirteen that we want to talk about on this podcast. Yeah, we got a lot of g- great candidates for our number thirteen. I think about Bill Guerin, uh, who was a gritty, hard-nosed uh, scorer and is now, I think, the GM of the Minnesota Wild. I think about Matt Sundin from, I believe, Brahma, uh, Sweden. Uh, he played a long time for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I'm going to go because we always have to side with the Russians, right? Yes. I mean, this is like a – we're a pro-Russian podcast. Absolutely. This is not, you know, not a surprise. No. It's not news to anyone who listened to us. Uh, so I'm going to go with a guy named Pavel Datsuk. Oh. Of the Detroit Red Wings. I think our friend Jake was wearing a Pavel yes, Datsuk jersey. Yes, I think he was. <laughs> uh, for for a, a recording when he had him, uh, when we had him on as a guest. Uh, yeah. And that's a great that's a great plug for a guy who was, for my money, one of the sickest uh, shootout performers of all time. Mm-hmm. And I sent you a, a video of these shootout goals. Yeah, Datsuk was so nasty at the shootout that. He had not only the nastiest move that I've ever seen, which involved, and I'll see if I can describe it for this audio media. This is extremely it definitely audio. involved like a toe drag. That's where you sort of like drag the, you kind of pull the puck. It's like a push pull, I think is what they call this uh, deke, where you kind of make like you're going to pull it back and then get the goalie totally off balance and then shoot it over him while he's like sliding the wrong direction. So you've sort of deked him in one direction. He's gone. He's bit on that. You pull the puck back and then you shoot. So he did this. He did it to the Nashville goalie. He did it to the Chicago goalie a couple times. Uh, and my favorite are the mind games that get played where you know these goalies, they feel deeply ashamed of what just happened to them because mm-hmm. they got scored on. It's almost like it would have been better if they just got scored on with just like a, you know, normal shot like a normal wrist shot you could say like oh i went for it i didn't get it i wasn't quite fast enough but it looked normal when pavel datsuk did that move to those guys it was like clearly to anyone watching 
this is not normal what just happened to you and like it is gonna go down in like highlights where you were just you've been posterized <laughs> it's the hockey equivalent of being posterized so i love that my favorite yeah i love when it's like well, my you favorite. win not because of <laughs> physics but because of psychology that seems just like a cruel thing to do to a goalie totally cruel we know goalies are already um psychologically disturbed in the first place <laughs> just by virtue of their career decisions that they've made and so i think it was the the goalie for chicago uh I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember who it was uh, uh, early in the 2010s, I guess, uh, w- would be when this was that like Datsuk did this goal to him, the, the push pull goal. And he's aware of this having happened. And then they end up being in a shootout again because this happens in today's uh, NHL. It's a thing. Uh, that you end up having to do. I think it was Anti Niemi of the Chicago Blackhawks, by the way, is the goalie that I'm thinking of. <laughs> so Niemi, like, he studied this. He knows this. So Datsuk comes in on him. <laughs> you know, maybe it's like the next year. It's been like a whole year he's thought about this. And Datsuk starts to do the push-pull thing again. And you can tell the <laughs> wheels are turning inside Niemi's head. And he sees this and he's like, oh, you fucker. <laughs> uh, you know, you're trying to do this. I'm ready for you. And I'm going to not go in the wrong direction. I'm going to go in the right direction. But the best part is that Datsuk has a counter move to the counter move <laughs> already in it in which he he pulls what? the puck and then flips it as a change up <sighs> uh, and, and just sort of kind of gives it a little bit of like a flip, like flips it over the goalie. And of course, it goes in off the goalie's back. No, that's so, so it's sort mean. sort of like the ultimate cruel like i knew that you were thinking about this i know that you've gone into the lab and you've cooked up a counter move to this well guess what i have this change up that's gonna fuck you up again and put the puck in off of you and of course that to me is what makes him the ultimate shootout uh legend uh but that's also our entree into the world of shootouts yes what are they yes why are they whoa this and, is my uh, i'm the one who asked very broad questions and just kind of what shootouts? Oh, I thought you were going to answer shootouts. i thought you what? were going to tell <laughs> me about shootouts yes so uh, a shootout is what happens when you lose a bet and you're on a basketball court and then what needs to happen is you play horse against each other and i don't know about like, I've seen a couple shootouts. I haven't seen a lot of shootouts. You keep on bringing up shootouts. And I think that when we talked about, like, in the very beginning of just, like, I've noticed that the endings of games are always awesome in hockey. Um, I would – shootouts obviously come up as a somewhat controversial thing. But I want to hear more about shootouts. And I would like to hear more about the practitioners of shootouts. You, uh, eons ago, referred to the word deke. And it has lodged itself in my skull Ever since, just because it's it's, I would like to know more about deeks and deekers and and deekies and and, and all, all manner of deek. And so, um, what's a shootout? Yeah, well, you can't talk about shootouts without talking about deeks, dirty dangles. If you want to talk about those, <laughs> you made um, that up. That can't be right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So shootouts uh, is you know you've seen the the penalty shot format before basically where puck is at center ice the goalie kind of or the referee kind of sits it there and then uh, a player skates up kind of collects it goes one-on-one with the goalie and whatever happens happens that's the shootout uh that they 
really only had that particular type of play for the longest time in the NHL as a penalty shot. If mm. you got dragged down from behind with like, you know, nobody between you and the goalie or some other weird thing happened, like a player uh, put his uh, glove around the puck in the crease or something like that. There's like ways that you can get like shoot uh, to get penalty shots. Um, but otherwise you never saw that like one-on-one matchup until the event of reckoning that will go into uh, sometime in between later. 1993 and 1995, they added a shootout. No, no, oh. the second event. Of oh, reckoning. the second event sometime between 2003 sometime and 2006. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. Understood. Uh, they, they were thinking about, yeah, like, okay, we just perhaps left a smoldering crater where our game once was <laughs> and our, our fan base once was. We should probably think of ways to perhaps entice them to come back with exciting deeks and dangles. Uh, and that, I think, was the motivation of. <laughs> you're giving me a face when I you say, just say deeks. Dangles, you say is, deek, dirty dangles. And, like, that just sounds like a Reno 911 <laughs> character. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, I know. Well, you know, uh, wait till we talk about Steve Dangle, uh, which is a true person uh, <laughs> in the world of hockey. Uh, but. Anyway, yeah, they were thinking about ways of, like, how do we get people to come back and find our game exciting again after uh, this, this terrible turn of events. And so they adopted the rule in which after overtime in hockey, uh, things would be decided not with a tie like they used to be decided, but with a shootout. And so the format now in uh, the NHL is they just basically have guys shoot, I think it's three skaters per side, barrel in on the goalie one after another. They alternate, you know, each time. Uh, And after three, you know, whoever has the most, if you get two, you know, you got two and they got zero or whatever, then it's sort of impossible for for um, for them to win. So you win. And then if it's tied after three in terms of like, oh, well, maybe none, nobody scored. Maybe you both scored one or two or, th- or three. Then it goes just like one versus one and sort of like you have to answer the, the a goal with a goal, that type of thing. And uh, the people that are in favor of it, which presumably includes Gary Bettman. Uh, and I think probably includes me over the years, which is really difficult to say. And very, you know, I can't believe that those words are coming out of my mouth is that it is like really exciting. It's cool. It's fun. It's fun to see uh, a player go one-on-one against a goalie. Uh, and we've seen a lot of like creative, interesting goals come out of that, that I think, wouldn't have existed otherwise. I think players, obviously, they practice their shootout moves and it becomes sort of like a big deal, a big aspect of their game. They want to be named as one of those, you know, three to five guys that are on the shootout, you know, duty uh, after the game. It's kind of a point of pride. It shows that you're like a really creative, talented, offensive um, player. Uh, And so I think it's really exciting the big drawback to it is that people are a lot of people have argued from the very beginning that it decides who gets the win and it's basically a glorified skills competition it's not necessarily the way real hockey is played 
Although I think that argument has been diluted by the fact that is overtime real hockey? <laughs> it's three on three. And it's also hella exciting. Like, in a weird way, the more you depart from real hockey, in some ways, the more interesting and weird and kind of well, uh, exciting and creative it gets. I would argue that you're just stripping it down to its essentials. Like, when you strip it down to three on three, you're just stripping it down to its essentials because you deprive people of defensemen and things like that. And then when you strip it down to just people shooting on goal, that is, like, the most, like, yeah. That, I mean, if you were making a movie about hockey like if you were Disney or something and you were trying to sell, this is a movie about hockey. What do you show? You show somebody attempting to shoot a goal. Right. And so, yeah. like, I think that it's just, well, and maybe you make, maybe you make not scoring a goal in a shootout, <laughs> a major plot point and backstory for your down on their luck, uh, alcoholic, uh, lawyer turned hockey coach, main character that then rallies together a ragtag group of children to, uh, become greater than the sum of their parts hypothetically, hypothetically if you were making such a movie which of course doesn't exist and hypothetically let's say that things go well the first time perhaps you get the team together and you take them on an international road show and then you show off your skills to the rest of the world eventually defeating a scandinavian team that otherwise you know is relatively well regarded in international circles maybe i'm just hypothetically throwing that maybe out there. yeah and then and then maybe 20 years later on a streaming service owned by the most powerful hegemoniacal uh, media company in the world, you would release a sequel series to that that had many of the same characters rehashing their roles. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. <laughs> this is great. So anyway, shootouts. <laughs> anyway, shootouts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, uh, shootouts are really I, – I do think that it strips down the game to, like it, – it is, like, high drama when you get down to the later rounds of those shootouts, and it needs to be sort of like you know that they have to score in order to survive or whatever. Um, that's exciting. Like, I can't deny it, even though I know in my, like, human brain that it's uh, – probably shouldn't be deciding you know who comes away with the full number of points and that perhaps winning in that regard is perhaps cheaper than doing it legitimately during the course of an actual five-on-five hockey competition it's still exciting yeah like i can't deny that so i think that you know many, many hockey fans have have come to terms with the shootout uh we're not seeing it be deployed in um the the playoffs anytime soon and that's good mm -hmm. uh i think that you know our um our friend nate silver has has advanced the argument that you don't really like the one of the reasons why they put in the shootout is because they wanted uh, people to have like certainty for every single game they didn't want the tie they wanted you to play until someone won but they didn't want this idea of like oh well what if we have if we have continuous overtime forever in a regular season game you could have games lasting like you know, hours and hours and hours. Nate has advanced the argument empirically that that's kind of an unfounded fear. Yes, there are playoff games that go super long, like sometimes, mm -hmm. but the majority of playoff games are settled within like five to 10 minutes. It actually <laughs> it, it is settled essentially as quickly as the gimmicky, you know, like five-minute overtime plus a shootout type of thing uh, in the vast majority of cases. Now, there will be probably stray cases where, yeah, it drags on a long time. Neither side can but score. But those are fun. And we've even talked about 
well, yeah, there's a lot of drama there, too, because, like, anything can end this game. And we've even talked in the past about potential solutions there where it's like, okay, every five minutes, take away a skater from each side. So it's like it starts out five on five, then it becomes four on four, three on three, maybe two on two. And then, heck, maybe it even becomes one on one. Maybe you get down to the shootout, and then whoever scores, you know, make it that sudden death format or whatever. I mean, you can get as gimmicky as you like, but I do think the fear that, like, oh, well, we put this in so that, you know, uh, because we don't want ties anymore and we're afraid <laughs> that if we just keep playing until someone wins that it'll last forever it's kind of an unfounded fear uh by by the numbers so you know i, I think that there's a, a time and a place for continuous overtime um but gosh the shootout has given us some some really wacky goals including pavel datsuk's continuous psychological abuse of goaltenders <laughs> Yeah, grudges are the best things in all of sports, and adding a new grudge to my like library of excellent grudges is just pff, that's excellent stuff. There's like a good argument to be made also that like, you know, if the sport basically had a meeting and they were just like, listen, the event happened. There's no getting past that. We want to get on Sports Center at least one time every night. There's only one way to do that, and that's to juice a shootout. Like, the, it is like, what, like you know, you see those probability charts, right, of just, like, pr- likelihood of winning games. And, like, I imagine during a shootout, it goes very hyperbolic very quick. Yeah, and I think probably uh, more than its share of SportsCenter top 10 play entries have, have uh, for hockey have come from the shootout. I just think there's there's no two ways around that. So that sort of bears it out. Now, would you like to know who the best shootout uh, players of all time are? Of all time? And by all time, I mean since the event. Okay, I was going to say, like, is it Brent Gretzky's brother again? We got to get to that guy. But <laughs> We will get to that guy. Unfortunately, they didn't have shootouts in his era. Ever? Uh, no, no, they, they, I mean, he probably did it in international play because I think that was, they settled it in, uh, they settled ties and stuff in international play, which gave us, of course, the Forsberg move, uh, the iconic 1990, I don't know when it was, 1992 Olympic, uh, uh, Winter Olympics or something, 94 maybe, where uh, Peter Forsberg skated in on Corey Hirsch of Canada and did another very sick dangle, I have to say, in which he, he used the top hand of the stick. He made like he was going to go to the forehand side, got the goalie sliding to that side, and then he quickly moved it to the backhand and then tucked the, the puck around the goalie on the wrong side with one hand. That's the Forsberg move. And that move was so iconic in Peter Forsberg's native Sweden that they put that moment of him scoring the goal on Corey Hirsch. And Corey Hirsch is in, in frame in this on a stamp. It's on a stamp <laughs> in Sweden. It's, it's, it's Peter Forsberg's greatest uh, moment. And it's also Corey Hirsch's most embarrassing moment. And it's immortalized on a piece of postal, uh, oh, you know, official postal documentation. That's the shootout for you. You know, like, so like, do you watch Jeopardy at all? I do sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Have you been watching like these past two weeks with Aaron Rodgers at all? I have not. Okay. Unfortunately, First of all, I keep wanting to. Really good. It's like really good. Yeah. Oh, he's excellent. He should. He should absolutely be the guy. Um, <laughs> but the thing that like I've enjoyed the most about it is like as they've had these guest hosts, all of them have been on Jeopardy before, and sometimes when they just don't know the answer, the person in final will just write the answer that they got wrong and got eliminated on. And I've seen that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's very mean and very rude, and I respect it. And my hope is is that all mail to that man has that stamp on it. 
<laughs> yeah, I hope so too. Um, uh, I, I, there's actually a series that um, I forget who's uh, who did it uh, at on YouTube where it's called like I was in net four or something like that. And it basically, they go, they find like iconic goals or iconic moments, but they're, let's be honest, they're usually goals. <laughs> and they go out and they find the goalie who was in net for that and just have them talk about it. And they're like surprisingly candid uh, about that. And so I think they did have one with Corey Hirsch where he was basically like, Hey, I've, I've come to terms with it. This is the reason why anyone knows who I am. And I think he actually does like outreach now for like mental health, you know, among like uh, athletes and, and things like that. And he's like admits that basically like, look, him scoring that goal on me allowed me to have a platform where I can actually make, you know, do some good in the world. So in some ways it was like a good thing to have happened to he's, he was sort of like, I'd prefer it not to have happened, but if it did, I'm glad that it was able to kind of give me this platform. So most of the goalies, you know, for all of the, the ragging that we do on goalies, uh, on this show, they are remarkably chill about, you know, being connected to these moments in time, uh, and, and, you know, being known for giving up a goal. Yeah, I feel like that's the paradox of of being a goalie is that like any moment that you are remembered for is by definition one of the worst moments of your career. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, with the exception of like maybe there are some saves that are iconic enough to be remembered in people's minds. But yeah, aside from that, uh, you have by definition not done your job. (laughs) You have not stopped the puck from going into the net. (laughs) Um, So... You know, shootouts rolled out uh, in 2005, and we're going to talk about the best shootout players ever, right? Yeah, so in terms of percentages, and this is among uh, shooters with at least 10 goals uh, all time in shootouts. No, I'm sorry, 15 goals. I got to set the bar at 15. Uh, A player that you know is number one, the bread man, Artemi Panarin who we devoted a whole episode to his weird Russian scandal. Uh, He also is the all-time leader in shootout effectiveness. He has scored on 61.5% of his shootout attempts over the years. That's the highest of anyone. It beats out his countryman, Vyacheslav Kozlov, who scored on 58.7% of his shots. Perhaps surprisingly, only five players, again, at that 15-goal threshold, Mm -hmm. have scored on at least 50% of their shootouts. Really? You know, I think one of the fears, you know, going into the shootout was that, like, it's going to be too easy for guys to score. If they don't have anybody between them and the goalie, they'll just kind of come in and, and torch these guys. It's not. It's still not easy to score on these things. You know, the uh, Pavel Datsuk, our patron saint of this, he's 32nd all-time in percentage, Ooh. and he only scored on 40.8% of his shootouts. So, you know, uh, that's a healthy rate if you're shooting at, like, 5-on-5. Five you'd kill for a 40%, you'd kill for a 20% rate, let's be honest. Um, Taylor Hall would kill for a 5% rate this season. Uh, but, uh, you know, you kind of think about these guys and how creative and how great they are and how, oh, my God, it must be sort of like verging on automatic for them to embarrass goalies. Not true. The TJ Oshie is another one you mentioned yes. you had been sent a, uh, a compilation Laura Murray, of shootout goals from the Olympics. who is a huge Olympics. Capitals fan and listens to our podcast. Um will oftentimes send me uh, things with the Capitals and members of the Capitals. And she one time sent me TJ Oshie's, uh, I believe it was an Olympic game it, uh, yes. against, I believe, the Russians. Because I, I believe against the goalie Russia. was Bobrovsky. And I know Bobrovsky because yes. I used to watch a lot of uh, highlights of uh, of Dan O'Toole 
and uh, and the other yes. Yeah. So um and and they would Bobrovsky. Exactly. And see again, like this was years ago, and I was just like, <laughs> I like hockey now. Um, but um, but yeah. So it was I believe it was T.J. Oshie versus Bobrovsky. Um, and it was insane. It was like again the, the highest tension because also I didn't know who won. Like I I wasn't paying attention around that time. And uh, yeah, no, I mean it was really thrilling. <laughs> but yeah, T.J. Oshie. Yeah. And T.J. Oshie is one of the best shootout uh, performers ever. He's seventh in percentage, and uh, he scored on 49.5% of his shootout attempts. So that just sort of gives an, uh, a, a sense of, like, even these hyper-talented guys. Uh, Oshie is tied for the fourth most shootout goals of all time Whoa. behind Jonathan Taves, Franz Nielsen, and Patrick Kane uh, in, in shootout goals with, with 45 Taves is the only guy ever to have 50 or more shootout goals. He's the Brent Gretzky's brother <laughs> of shootout goals. Uh, it's official. Uh, this podcast but, yeah, is so stupid. Even, <laughs> <laughs> even a guy as talented as TJ Oshi and, and who has as many uh, filthy dangles in his bag of tricks, uh, you know, is, is stopped more than half of the time. And if we flip it around and we look at goalies all time, uh, so in shootouts all time, the the I guess player uh, with the most shootout saves. This is sort of the uh, the counter to the mm. who has the most goals is another Ranger. Henrik Lundqvist hey. has stopped two hundred and ninety three shootout attempts in his career, which beats out Roberto Luongo at two sixty nine, Ryan Miller at two forty nine, and Marc Andre Fleury at two twenty nine. And so those guys have like Lundquist has a seven twenty two save percentage in shootouts. So again that that means that he has stopped uh essentially twenty eight percent of more uh, uh or slightly less uh no sorry slightly he's allowed yeah. only twenty eight percent goal rate on his uh his shootout attempt. That's really good. So he's holding people below the Panarin uh, <laughs> threshold, below the the Pavel Datsuk. So you know, I think that that kind of shows you where the baseline is on scoring. You know, if you're scoring like over thirty percent or something like that, you're you're doing really well. If you're scoring over forty percent, you're doing uh, amazingly in in the shootout. So. Um, those are your greatest uh, shootout performers of all time. And it kind of matches up to what you would expect. I think uh, for a later episode, we should look at who has the most surprising shootout success rate in terms of guys that aren't very good scorers, mm -hmm. but have like a ridiculously high rate in shootouts or guys that you would expect to have really high rates in shootouts, but aren't. Uh, so that, that'll be homework assignment yeah. for me in, in a future episode. We'll do like the people who like, they're your ringers. They're the ones who just hang out on the bench. They're okay during the game, but they're the one that you bring in to get the bullseye as well as the people who completely, you know, they just get cold feet at the end. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I wonder what goes into like being better or worse at shootouts than like you have any right to be because you do, you would expect that it's just like your best shootout performer is going to be someone that has like, great deking ability you know great hands as they say in hockey and, and so that would translate to like just scoring goals like normally also <laughs> uh and and so it's sort of like if you're that good and there have been like some of the best shootout goals of all time have been scored by dudes that are not like scorers that uh, that i think is also kind of a fun aspect of it is that it's sort of like 
you know, these guys do practice it and maybe they like can't bust out those moves in, in traffic or like with anyone remotely around them, potentially threatening to take the puck away. But by God, when they're barreling down on that goalie one-on-one, <laughs> they just have like all kinds of crazy moves that otherwise can't be replicated in, in normal play. Yeah. It's definitely like, it's, it's a fun thing that happens. How often does a game go to shootout at this point? Well, uh, so this year, I think I can call up that number on the fly uh, for this season uh, that was my in hope. terms of games. <laughs> was that just thrown in the yeah. air and see what happens? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's generally a good aspect uh, of this podcast. <laughs> so 53 uh, games have gone to shootout this season. And let's see, there have been uh 648 games played that's so yeah that's about like what six percent no those about four percent that's not bad yes so you know it's not like overly common and think about like what has to happen i mean you have to be tied at the end of 60 minutes of hockey then you have to be tied through the the five minute overtime which we know scoring rates just go through the roof for that so it's sort of like there are barriers to getting you to a shootout. And that's another thing that, like, people, you know, I think they're hockey purists that are so offended by the fact that, like, any game would be decided by this glorified skills competition. But it's like you had a chance to decide it through, like, real hockey. Yeah. Like, there, there were a lot <laughs> you of You had your shot. This game. <laughs> you had your shot. There, there, were, uh, there were games for, for – there were chances for traditionally decided <laughs> hockey to have come into play. Now it's we time gave you an for the hour. total gimmick. You had a whole hour to figure this out, but you didn't. And then we give you another five. That's as long as that's as long as people have been listening to this podcast almost. Incomprehensibly so. <laughs> but like um But yeah, it's um it's very fun. I so given that again, like it's So you're pro shootout. I'm pro shootout. It is eight percent. I did the math wrong. I realized it was six hundred, not twelve hundred, but um it is interesting that you mentioned that like a lot of you know, there's a lot of barriers between you and a shootout. But at the same time, like we've talked about this before, the incentives actually are to go to overtime. Yeah, that and that's a problem. I, I think that's kind of undeniably a problem that uh, points, you know, like the standings points for, for a win are two points, regardless of when and how you do it. So you could do it in the regular way or you could do it in the gimmicky skills competition and you still get the same amount of credit. I've always been a proponent and it seems like kind of an easy fix that games are worth three total points Mm -hmm. between the winner and the loser. And if you win in regulation, you get three points and the opponent gets no points. But if you win in overtime or the shootout, you only get two points Mm -hmm. and the opponent gets one point. So basically it's the same as now from the moment that regulation ends, the winner gets two, the loser gets one. But it makes it a little more of an incentive to give you that extra point for winning in regulation. I think that would solve that because then you wouldn't have people saying kind of coming to this collusion like truce where they're like, Hey, let's try to score less during the regulation period (laughs) so that we both can at least get one point, if not two, and then we'll kind of see what happens. I don't think that any teams have like 
they they have not sent their captains to center ice and shaken on that deal yeah. going into a game. But, not- but it's just the nature of things, you know, uh, and it bears out in the stats that late in a tied game, you see fewer, you know, shots, fewer scoring chances, and teams do sort of, they both recognize it's kind of a prisoner's dilemma type of situation where they come to the conclusion that, hey, it would be better for both of us if this thing just went to overtime or a shootout. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, let's do that. It would fix it because that, that would drag the expected value of making a risk to 1.5 again, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Games yeah. that go to overtime, overtime a- would no longer not be inherently – uh, higher expected value worth more yeah. points right exactly Neat. I, mean, I mean like the rampant inflation that you were proposing sir is is directly against my fiscal policies but that sounds neat point inflation because again like you, you know in in such a situation like you would never see a tied game have somebody like pull a goalie right like, like whereas like if there were another point on the table and you thought that you could press your advantage like you could potentially see some fascinating stuff go down that wasn't you know leading eight percent of games to end in shootout well i would love to see the coach that had the balls to pull a goalie late in the in a tied game to try to get that extra point for the for the three-point win i would love to see that i don't know that that would happen but it at least, like you said, it could like some coach could just be like just t- totally insane. Okay, and and decide well, to do that. No, here's the plan. It would never happen now. Yeah, here's the plan. When so things cool down, happen. you and me meet at One Star. We both have a drink. We hang out, and then on my walk home, I get collared for drunk in public, and I get s- sentenced to 500 hours of community service where I decide to coach a local peewee hockey team, and I will do this strategy <laughs> in every game, and I will prove them all wrong. I'll be like that coach that said, stop doing punts, and I will reinvent the sport from the bottom up. I think this sounds like a great plan, I think and also a Disney <laughs> Plus series. Yeah. Any, any Disney... Disgraced sports, disgraced sports writer, <laughs> Walt Hickey. Former Disney cast member went out with current Disney cast member. <laughs> and now- yeah, yeah, you you came up to people on the street and you were like, "Hey, buddy, where do you make your magic?" <laughs> That's a very deep cut inside Disney joke. Oh my god, yeah, Disney, fun times, great company. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, they're the best. Yes, um, we love the mouse. Yes, I know that you are contractually obligated to say such things. Um, anyway, but um. <laughs> I love mouse. Mouse. You can hear like gun, <laughs> guns clicking, you know, being loaded off screen. Oh, no. Say it next time. <laughs> oh, with more gusto. Ha-ha. <laughs> uh, Say it like you mean it. Yeah, man. 40 my, 47 minutes into the podcast is where we get real punchy after three false starts. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, shootout. And so shootouts are not in the playoffs. Um, they are not. And you would like it to stay that way, ideally. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the traditionalist in me. And like I said, like we even said earlier, in the Olympics, that's not the case. In in highly important knockout round Olympic hockey games, there have been shootouts that decide it. So, you know, I think there's room to think about that. But I I think nothing beats the tension that builds uh, through a you know, playoff hockey overtime that then goes into a double overtime and maybe a triple overtime. And then you're sort of like, okay, guys, this is enough. Can you please score like someone? <laughs> I need to go to bed. And then 
maybe it goes to a fourth overtime after that. And uh, I guess one question that you know I should have been asking the whole time: What is a dangle? A dangle is a deke. I mean, it's the same. So it's, it's just it's, it's a different word for uh, deke. I think it's a different word for a deke. It's it's a it's a fake out. It's a stick handling wizardry. Um, I think people give nicknames to things that they love in sports, <laughs> and so that's why we have so many different words for like a home run, you know, a bomb. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, a blast, and, and I think that that's true in hockey as well. They love the deke, and the deke is so it's just so fundamental to uh, every every form of hockey, from you know skating around in the pond as a child to playing NHL '94 and perhaps doing an unstoppable deke move that then would get you banned from playing competitively against friends in college. Wait, really? <laughs> Well, you're not allowed. There's certain things you're not allowed to do on NHL 94. You're not allowed to pick the Blackhawks because they have Jeremy Roenick. That's not fair. Arguably not allowed to pick the Pittsburgh Penguins because they have uh, Mario Lemieux and about five other guys that are unstoppable. And, yeah, you're probably not allowed to bust out the move, which is where you quickly deke and dangle side to side. And because of the 1990s era AI that they programmed into goalies, it's pretty unstoppable. Yeah. So that's like the odd, that's like the picking odd job of, of 1994. It's the picking odd job. It's the picking Bo Jackson and Techno uh. Super Bowl. There's certain things are just frowned upon in, in the name of sportsmanship. Yeah. Good times. Were, weren't you not allowed <laughs> to pick Calvin Johnson for a while, or was that someone else? In Madden? Yeah. No, for a while that was like very inappropriate. Well, friends, friends – Friends don't let friends play Madden these days anyway on, on this generation of consoles. Oh, you're, so, you're, hold, you're holding up for the, X, the next ones? NFL 2K? Yeah. Well, yeah, bring back NFL 2K. That's what I always say. And I think we should, we should talk on a later episode about hockey video games because I think that there's a lot of uh, rich, fertile ground to be farmed for content. There we go. Love, love content farming. The um, So... It's kind of our thing. It's, it's, I mean, it's our thing. It's, it's how we earn a crust. I don't know what to tell you. Um, you know, there's only a few teams that are truly in contention at this point. Um, so as we kind of lead into the, the, like, you know, what to watch moving forward, like, really what teams are, are even worth keeping an eye on that are not at 99% or 7%, just speaking from a personal level. <laughs> Oh, you mean uh, like a certain team that you might follow? Well, your your team is at ten percent to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to. Yeah. Uh, but they could, and yeah, <laughs> uh, I I think when we uh, we talked about the playoffs uh, a few weeks ago and sort of that middle ground being not that filled with teams. Well, now it's really it's not really that shrunk. With teams. Yeah, there's like uh, between ten percent and eighty. 8.84%. So don't even include the Canadians. Like, yeah. <laughs> there are there are five teams yeah. in that range uh, that that include the Nashville Predators, the St. Louis Blues, the Arizona Coyotes, the Chicago Blackhawks, and the Dallas Stars. So really, only that that central race with those three teams: the the Preds, the Hawks, and the Stars. 
And then, yeah, like who's going to make it in the West between the Blues and the, the Yotes? Uh, that's kind of the last remaining interesting race. Like maybe the Rangers uh, can chase down the Bruins, but I doubt it, especially after the Taylor Hall uh, move. And maybe the Sharks uh, could play their way into it, but we have them at under 9%. The Canucks are going to play again soon. That's something for them. They have a 7% chance. But, yeah, I think that really we're talking about three teams looking at that last spot in the Central and two teams looking at that last spot in the West. And even those, both of those, the favorite, which would be the Predators in the Central and the Blues in the West, have at least a 60% chance of making it. So the, the interesting playoff races have dwindled quite a bit. But there's only like a month left in the season, we think, because we don't actually know when the regular season will end because we don't know when the Vancouver Canucks will actually <sighs> play some games. Uh, I think they've got most of their schedule kind of uh, ironed out right now. Uh, are they just going to be – they just... But there could be a situation where some teams are playing playoff games while the Canucks are finishing their regular <laughs> oh, no. season schedule. That could that could very easily happen. Are they going to be like? In fact, in some ways, I'd be surprised if it didn't happen. Is there just going to be like a Vancouver car wash where the Canadian teams queue up outside and then they just go one after another, to like, yes. trying to try, just to finish out their records? Like, right. It's like step right up, play your final game. <laughs> um. All right. What are you watching this week? Anything good? Anything coming down the pipe for you? Uh, you know, I'm uh. I'm looking at the Lightning. You know, they've they've been flagging a little bit of late. They're still our favorites to win the cup, but they're they're not looking as dominant. They made a trade deadline move. They picked up David Savard, a defenseman from the Blue Jackets, so we'll see if that kind of helps stabilize things and uh, they'll be playing tough schedule in that uh that division that we've talked about they're playing the hurricanes and the, and they're also the panthers over the next week so gonna get that and of course some titanic east clashes including the bruins versus the islanders and the bruins versus the washington capitals and i'm watching the blues play the avalanche right now it's a pretty interesting game f- four to one it's very badly but for that's him. that's interesting because like we said the blues are in that the Blues are in that playoff hunt, um, and of course the Avalanche might be the best team in the league. They're creeping up there. They have not yet unseated the Lightning in terms of the highest odds to win the Cup, but they are darn close right now yeah. in, in these odds. The Lightning have come down from, they were in like the mid-20s or higher in, in uh, Cup odds uh, about a you know three weeks to a month ago. Now they're down to like 17.6%, and the Avs are right there behind them at 16.44% because we're being accurate. <laughs> yeah. We're about significant digits. Yeah, I'm going to need – I've never heard of that. I'm going to need you to add um, another 10 times as many simulations so that we can get that next one down. <laughs> like that is true. That I, I do need to, to expand the simulation load. <laughs> yes, you, the computer can handle it. It just needs it. Um, Neil, where can you be found? We have the technology. We have the technology. <laughs> no, we don't. There's yeah, a chip crisis. Can... We, we, we actually don't have the technology anymore. We can't do any more. That's why, that's why I don't have a PS5. <laughs> um, so, yeah, people can find me at, uh, uh, at 538. They can also follow me on Twitter at Neil underscore Payne. And they can check out my GitHub with a lot of hockey data and updating baseball data at uh, NeilPayne538. Yeah. on github gotta check the github what about you like follow subscribe on the github rate and review maybe on the podcast app but mostly on the github rate and review um 
I can be found all over. Uh, I have a newsletter called Numlock that happens every morning. Uh, I also have an award season supplement to that newsletter that is heating up. And if you like the Oscars, you should check that out. I am also an insider where uh, yesterday an article that I wrote, um, a congresswoman used that to uh, launch an inquiry into the FCC. So that was fun. Uh, wow. Yeah. No. Yeah, loud commercials. That's journalism. Uh, journalism, baby. Capital J, capital journalism. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> I can be found on Twitter at Walt Hickey. Uh, and yeah, no, that's, a, that's about it. Um, Neil, I'll see you next week. Yeah, we're, we'll, we'll continue to, uh, maybe we'll even drop the gloves. One of these episodes. We, we, we haven't quite done that in a while. Despite being goons, are we becoming more refined no. and, and less goonish? No. Are we becoming, are we becoming danglers? What's the, what, uh, are we skill players? No, I've got lady Ben on the phone. We're in the cut. We're in lead contention. We got to start a fight next week. Oh my God! If if we're in danger of winning the Lady Bing, this this whole project, this podcast has has just gone off the rails horribly. Uh, we got to think of something to fight about. All right, uh, next week you're going down. All right, not if you do it first, Hickey. <laughs> That's called trash talk. Trash talk. <laughs> That's the spinoff podcast about the podcast. All right. <laughs> um, 